Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. How are you? Was that a good time of worship? If you didn't feel something, your wood is all wet. And you need to dry it out in the presence of God. Because when you enter into what God is doing, God's going to do something in the living tabernacle. Give somebody an elbow and say he's talking to you. All of you should have received the notes uh, today from, for the message. Today's message is kind of like a piggyback on what we did last week. Last week we talked about putting together what we talked about all of December and we condensed it last week, knowing that you got gifts. Someone say you got gifts. How many received gifts for Christmas? Raise your hand. How many received something that you couldn't believe you received and you don't know what to do with it now? <laughs> Jesus has given us gifts. And we talked about the gift of love and the gift of peace and the gift of joy and the gift of hope and the gift of light. light. These are gifts that you can walk in. Someone say walk in. But here's the thing. The thing is, we have to ask ourselves a question. Where is our heart? And now you're not going to tell me right now. You're going to say, my heart is right here. It can't go anywhere. It's got the way God played. My heart's right there. Yeah, that's true. Your heart is right there. Your kadia. That's what the Greek word, kadia. The heart is right there. But, but, I'm not talking about the physical heart that pumps blood. I'm talking about the emotional heart that's connected to your will. Where is your heart of your will? Your will is part of your emotions, your intellect, and your knowledge. Your will. The will is what makes up who you are. But in the aspect of the emotions part is your heart. What are the things? Or let me see it a little bit better because my accent's coming out a little bit, isn't it? I'm saying hot. Your heart. Is that better? That's probably the only time I'm going to pronounce it right, so get over it. So the big question is, who's going to be first in your, I'll do it again, heart? <laughs> it's so hard for me to say that. Who's going to be the first with your time? Who's going, to be the fir- who's going to be the first in your giving, your generosity? Your Who's going to be the first on your mind? You know what happens? You can have so many problems, and all you do is talk about your problems, but you do not talk about the victory you have in Jesus Christ. I have lived a few days, and I have talked to a lot of people. And all people want to talk about is the problems. But can you know that even in the midst of your problems, God's doing some good things? Can someone say amen? amen? The problem is we do not focus or put our hearts on the things that God is doing. We're always quick to say what God isn't doing. And so I want to ask you in this new year that's coming up, who's going to be the first in your thoughts and your mind? Who's going to be the first in your communications. I mean, who are you going to talk to? Now, now I know you're going to say to me that there's, there's only two answers here, Pastor, and that's right. It's either going to be you or it's going to be someone else. Amen? Or something else. Either one. So we have to ask ourselves, we, come, we have this new year coming up, and we have to ask ourselves, who's going to be first? Who's going to be first? Because, 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 because. We have to answer that question. 
In our hearts, we say, Lord, you're number one. But is he really? Does he get the first fruits of our day? Does he get the first fruits of our week? Most people say they love the Lord and they can't even come to the house of worship which God says, do not forsake. Because church is not important to many people today in our culture. Church is just something we do, but they don't understand that God created it because that's how spiritually we become stronger is by iron sharpens iron. Someone say amen. And the participation in the gospel, the participation in the ministries of God himself doing his work. So, so, so many of us recognize that God should be first. In our lives, we recognize that, no problem. But the problem is, how do we keep God first in our life? You know, we all have good intentions. And I want you to understand something is that we live in a very busy world today. There's always things going on. That this happened and this happened and this happened. And honestly, honestly, if we are truly be honest with ourselves, God gets a very little bit of time out of our day. And sometimes God gets this much out of people's days and weeks. And maybe in a month, they might think of God. And so I want to challenge you today because people use all kind of excuses between work and family and tired and busy and, you know, and they can't, they can't get involved in ministry. They can't do the things of God because they're busy, busy, busy doing all kind of different things. And God doesn't get the first. The first, he gets leftovers. If I can fit it in, I'll do it. If it's not inconvenient, I'll do it, but is God really first? So my challenge to you today and challenge for those watching online is really, where is your heart truly? Who are you going to serve in this new year? Who are you going to serve? Who's really going to be on top of your list? And I don't want you just to say, just like, yep, God's going to be first. Because see, that is not true because we're all challenged every day of our life to put God first. He has to be put there every day because there's all kind of things that comes our way. Someone say amen. amen. So, the, so the thing is, I always tell people this, what we love is what we do. I've never, I've never seen it change yet in all the, all the days that I've lived. What people love is what people do. If people really love someone, they're going to be there for that somebody. They're going to be there. They're going to just do whatever they can possibly do to make their life easier. They're going to be there because they love that person. They're going to be there. That's what love is. Isn't that not what love is? Do not we count on people in our family because they love us? Someone say amen. You do have a family that love you, right? Well, I love you. So you're there for people because you love them. That's your why. You have to answer the question, the why question, why you do what you do. So we're going to talk about the why today. Why do we come to church? Why do we get involved in ministry? Why do we take our lives and put it to the work of God? Why? Why? What am I doing for Jesus right now? What am I consistently doing to bless his name and to build his church? What's my why? This morning, I want to talk to you about whom you're going to serve in this new year. And I want to take you to this point of scripture found in John 15. Look what it says. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Someone say joy in you. Well, tell them to smile then if you're going to say the joy is in you. Actually, give you a smile. The joy, the joy is in you. The joy in you and the joy, your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love 
has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do what I command. So Jesus gives us a commandment. Jesus has given us a really tough one here. He says, listen, because I love you, I want you to love others. And if you love me, you're going to do what I've asked you to do. 1 John 4.19 tells us we love because he first loved us. So let me ask you a question. What are the things you really love? And where in all those things that you really love, is God really first? And then ask yourself the question, if God is first, how much time do you give to the things that you love? And is God first in the amount of time that you give to the things you love? If you have a relationship with someone in your family and you say you love your family, how much time do you give that person that you love? How much actual time do you give to that person? That that person would know that you love them simply because what you say and what you do and how you lift them up when they're down and so forth and so on. Someone say amen. So love has a demonstration of what we say with our lips. Amen. Everybody with me? Because we know action speaks louder than... All right. We're on the same page. Everybody say we're on the same page. All right. This is good. Well, when Jesus came, when Jesus came to this world... He gave an example, and he took, uh, this is just before he died, he took a, uh, a towel and took off his outer garment, and, and he took a pitcher and a bowl and took a towel. If you're a member of the church, you get a towel, because the towel is to be used in ministry, meaning that you need to get involved in the church. You need to do something. Everybody is spectators. <coughs> And if we're spectators, we have to relate. Thank you. If we're spectators, we're almost watching everything take place. Everybody watch a tennis match? You watch a tennis match, and everybody's just going back and forth. Just watch it. Participators. But God has not called you or I to be a participator. He has called us to be a non-spectator. I've got to get this right. Teach you wrong. God has not called you to be a spectator, but a participator. Someone say participator. Okay, we got to make sure we get that one right. So he wants you to participate. So Jesus took a towel and he took a bowl like this. And usually people are afraid, like, I hope he's not going to wash my feet because I'm not going to go up there. Don't worry. That's for another time. And uh, he took a pitcher of water. And as he took Let's say Thomas's, uh, Thomas's um, feet, and he washed them. And then after he poured the water over his feet, he then took the towel and he dried it. And he said to him afterwards, he says, do you understand what I've just done? You will in time to come. But I, your king and your lord and master, has washed your feet. Because washing the feet was done by the lowest of status quo, the, the person, the, the, the slaves or, or the servants of the house. The lowest status were the one that usually would wash people's feet, and they were very dirty because they all were in sandals. And those that wear flip-flops and sandals, you understand that your feet get dirty when you're in different places and stuff. Well, back then, their roads were dirty. 
And Jesus took it, and he and the water is really important because he was washing them. And, and then it was Peter, and Peter didn't want to get washed. He said, Lord, you're not going to do that because I know who you are, and you're not going to wash my feet. But, then Peter, but the Lord said, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you have nothing to do with me. And what he was teaching all of us is that if you don't learn how to yield and serve, you're not part of what God's heart is part of. Because yielding, humility, and serving are two qualities that should be in the mature Christian. I believe a mature Christian is one who is serving God in some type of capacity, not just sucking up his his word and having a bunch of knowledge. Knowledge without application is a sad life. Because you have all you know what to do. It's like the Pharisees and Sadducees. They had all the knowledge. They had the scriptures memorized. And yet God called them dead sepulchers, whitewashed sepulchers and and vipers and all of these, these names because they missed it. They missed it. So I want you to understand something. This is important. This is foundational. Is is that commitment's not the problem. Workload is not the problem. Um, all, any type of excuse that you have is not the problem why you're not connected to the, to the church or doing something for the church or doing something for God in whatever capacity. This is the problem why if and you're not doing something and your hands are not on the plow is because it's a love problem. It's a love problem. I will go to my grave with that statement being true. That the reason that we don't do what we don't do, whether it's a horizontal relationship or it's a vertical relationship, it's a love problem because love wants to do. Amen? Tell me someone you really love and I'll ask you to do something for them and you'll have no problem. Why? Why? Because you love them. Love is a motivator of the heart. Love is the really reason why we do what we do because when you love, you do. And you'll sacrifice in the process. But today, we have a world that's all about us. Excuse me. It's all about, excuse me. It's all about us. I gotta go to the bathroom, ladies. We're in the mirror. All about us to try to make everybody know how special I am. But I only give a picture when I look the best. I only give a picture when I got all my hair. Well, for me, not much. But I mean, for you, you got a lot more hair in place. It's easy to get my hair in place. Just one wave, it's in there. Right, Al? (laughs) We live in a world all about us, and yet it's contrary to what Jesus has called us to serve. It's not about us. It's about him. Everything should be about him. Because one day we're going to stand before him. And we need to get hold of this. And so I want to give you a strong exhortation. Stop complaining about what you're going through in life. Everybody has something they're going through. I got it. You got it. We all got it. So what are we going to focus on? What we got or who we got? That was a good point to say amen. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) Listen to this. Listen to this. Renaissance Entertainment. In Orlando is marketing a eagle trip, a ride all about you. Listen to this ride they're trying to sell. The ride which Renaissance hopes to sell to a theme park or to operate at fairs will use riders' names, their photos, their voices 
to create a total personalized experience. As the Pacharazzi snaps away, the Adoran fans calls their names. Riders will attend their own movie premiere. Uh, oh, this is really great. They'll visit an art museum where they will view paintings of themselves done by Picasso and Van Gogh. They will attend a political rally where they will be urged to run for president, and they will attend a sporting event where everybody will praise their athletic abilities. It will be all about them. Finally, they'll enjoy a parade in their honor. Afterward, their ego-stroke riders will proceed into a gift shop where they can buy all kind of stuff with their picture about their whole journey and that they just experienced. And this is what the president of the company says. What everyone, what everybody wants and everybody's favorite is themselves. This has taken me to the next degree. In this, and that's how it is sometimes. But in the body of Christ, we are many parts with one body. It ain't about you. It's not about the song we sing. It's not about how this is and how this is. It's about Jesus. It's about God being magnified. It's about God's word going forth. It's about unsaved people getting the message of Jesus Christ. It's all about him. And that's why we serve and we put our hands to the plow and we say, God, what can I do for you? But if you're not saying that, then you're more concerned about what God can do for you, not what you can do for God. Because you're absorbed by your own life. I told someone the other day, we were talking about this topic, and if I was doing a full-time job, nothing would change with me, nothing at all. Preacher, not preacher. You would see no difference in this vessel whatsoever. I'd be a preacher at work. I've been there, done did it many times. Whoever I am, what you see is what you get. There's no difference whatsoever. Why is that? Because salt is always salt. Light is always light. And we have to serve God with all our heart. Why? Why? What's the why, pastor? The why is because we love God. We love God. So what we do is because we love God. Because he first loved us. It's not about, well, I don't have time. And I, well, I don't this and I don't this. Or life is busy. Welcome to the world we live in. For those who are retired, you have a lot more time on your hands that you could do something for God. People say, well, you know, no, I do know. You have a lot more time on your hands. You could do a lot for God. You could call people, encourage people. You could do so many things if you just take some time to think about what you can do for God. I want to challenge you. Challenge you. I put these questions in your notes, but let me just challenge you with some of the questions to reflect on. How can I serve the Lord greater this new year? How can I improve Outreach to others that are near you. What area of your life can you become more faithful to the Lord? What area? What are the names of the people that are on your heart that you need to help and be the servant of God? You know people, there's people around you, there's people that could use some help. There are some people who let you do everything. Listen, listen, there are some people who want you to do everything for them. And if you don't do everything for them, they'll just complain. They'll, they'll forget about what you have done for them and don't do one thing. And that's what they focus on. Well, those people are ungrateful, very ungrateful. Ungrateful, not realizing that God has given them a gift. And when all of a sudden it doesn't go their way, trust me, I've been in the ministry for a long, long time. 
Do one thing wrong and they'll complain about it forever. You can do 100 things for them and don't do something while they'll, they'll, they'll just chew you up. We are to serve. serve. Someone say serve. While God has given us breath. Here's the last one, and this is a big one, big one. What attitude or thoughts hinder you from serving God? You know, what excuse do you give yourself? Well, I don't do this because I do this, but could you imagine if Jesus went to the cross and says, I was going to go to the cross, but it's just not the right day. He went, he went, he did it. When I think of what Jesus has done for me, it just, that's my why. That's the reason why I beat my body. That's the reason why I do what I do. That's the reason why I lose sleep at times. Just one phone call in the morning changes everything. Because everybody expects everything to get done the next day. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because love. The Greek word for servant is daikonos. It means service. It's where we get the word serve, and it comes from Acts chapter 6, where we get deacon from. Let me, let me share something with you here. Isaiah 6, 8 says, also, this is, this is God speaking to Isaiah, giving him a call. And he says this, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Elijah, I mean, Isaiah was about to go to a people that wasn't even going to listen to him. And he was willing to go. Why do you think Isaiah was willing to go? Because he loved God. He was going to put himself in situations and circumstances that were not conducive or comfortable. Someone say comfortable. Because I'll tell you what, I think three-quarters of the church would leave the, leave the building if God asked us to do something uncomfortable. Oh, wait, I'm not going to do that. What, you want me to wake up at 9.30 to get to church at 10.30? What? I, got, I need my sleep. I need, I need sleep. I need beauty sleep. Some people need more beauty sleep than others. Look at D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody wrote these words next to Isaiah 6, 8 in his Bible. This is what he wrote in his Bible. I am only one. Someone say one. That's right. We're only one. I say this to myself all the time. There's so many things going on, and I'm only one, God. I'm only one. But I love this. But I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. A lot of times we look for an excuse, but I'll tell you, excuses come in when you really don't want to do something. But when you determine in your heart to say, you know what, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm doing things that are really tough personally in my life right now. They're really tough. I'm breaking molds, constantly breaking molds. Last year, this year, I'm constantly working on me. And it's not easy changing things. But you know what? I'm going to do it because God's going to give me the help to do it. Just like he'll give you the help, but you have to determine in your heart to do it. You want to have longer days? You want to live longer? Wake up earlier. There's a lot of things God can do in your heart and life. I want to talk about Joshua today. Joshua is an important uh, vessel in the word of God. And he, he does something to Israel as he's about to leave. He, he gives them a, a really strong command. Joshua has gone through so much. And he's a servant of the Lord. He's a, he was a servant of Moses. He was a warrior of God, a leader, a leader of the people. He's an incredible man that saw a lot of God's power and experienced the goodness and the greatness of God. 
But Joshua wasn't all that in a bag of chips. Joshua was just a servant. He was all in. Someone say all in. God just wanted, you know what? You want to do, be a servant? You say, I can't. I don't have the abilities. I don't, I don't have, I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. Oh, keep telling yourself that. That's fine. And it could be true. I've said that very same thing. But then God comes on the equation. Then God. And God says, just give me what you have. And be surprised what I can do with it. God's just looking for a willing heart. He, he's, he's looking for availability. Because he can empower you with what you need. You see, they, a lot of most of the people God used, they were not people of great ability. They were not people of great power. They were some people who had some good thing. Paul the Apostle, he came, some, he came from some good, good background. There were some servants that came from good background. But other servants, not so. And yet God did something because each one of the vessels, no matter what background they came from, recognized who God was and the power that God reigns in. I want you to understand Matthew 19, 26. You've got to get this in your heart. If you don't get it in your heart and you don't believe it, you'll never accomplish anything in life because you have to realize your God is big. With men, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Someone say all things. So I want you to think of the very thing right now that you're struggling with. Your God's bigger than that. Your God's bigger than that. I want you to understand that. Joshua is about to leave this earth, this portion of scripture found in 24. But he leaves the people with a challenge. And he doesn't challenge their abilities. He challenges, listen, 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 their heart. He challenges the heart because the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And when we come into worship, we can just say this. This is, this is what happens. Now let, me, let me just share this with you because I've been in pastor for a long, long time. And sometimes people are sitting in their pews just doing this. I only have to endure another 15 minutes of this. Yeah, 10 minutes, 5 minutes. Huh? Oh, no, it goes over time. Oh, we got more worship. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got more worship. You know what? That's what happens when you worship God. You get lost. It's like, it's like going with a loved one. You know, you find girl meets boy, boy meets girl. They're in the car, and they just forget about time. Hi, hi. What you doing? Not much. Looking at you. Yeah. What time is it? I don't care. <laughs> don't you get a curfew? I don't care. You're worth it. <laughs> we forget about time. Well, when you're with Jesus and you're worshiping, yeah, you enjoy the presence of God because it changes you from the inside. So let's take a journey today, and let me give you 374 blocks. <laughs> Just kidding, 373. Let me give you four building blocks, how to have a strong spiritual servanthood or service to God. I want you to take you to this portion of Scripture here. I want to look at verse 14, chapter 24 of Joshua. And it says now, now the Lord... Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers. Worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. I want you to get this for a minute because you need to understand is that we need to understand the fear of the Lord. What it means, what it means. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline. When you fear the Lord, you have a reverence 
for God. You revere God. You recognize God is holy. Uh, and the best example that I can say, you're driving down the road, you're driving, dun, 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 you're no problem, and you see a cop. What do you do sometimes? You step on that brake. Why? Because you respect the authority and you fear the ticket. When you have a reverence for God, you realize that he is the ultimate authority. And you have a reverence for him. And the fear is a holy fear, a righteous fear, a fear realizing that he is holy and that he is authority. And one day, everyone's going to meet him face to face. And so you and I need to really think about this. You need to think about what it is. Uh, uh, this first bottom line is, do you have a healthy fear of the Lord? Or do you just, he's just a big man upstairs and his, you know, me and him are like this and everything's all cool. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me tell you something. God Almighty is God and he ought to be feared. If you ever watched the movie Narnia, they're talking about Aslan, the lion, and said, is he, you know, scary, or is he to be feared, or is he friendly? And the little gopher there, the little animal, says, friendly? <clears throat> no. And what he was trying to say, that he's God, in the presence of God. You know what happens when people see angels? What do they do? They're full of fear. And what does the angel have to say? Fear not. Fear not. Could you imagine in the presence of Almighty God? In the Old Testament, God was speaking from the mountain. He was just speaking to Moses, and all the people heard it. And they said to Moses, please, tell the Lord don't speak anymore because it's so frightening. People don't get that type of God. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice, and we ought to have a healthy fear of him. Why do we do what we do? Why do we serve God? Because he loves us, and we love him. A person who has a relationship with God has nothing to fear when we close our eyes and see him face to face. I want you to understand that this is important for you and I to get the fear of the Lord. Maybe you need a little bit more putting back in your life and start putting God way down here. He's holy. He's righteous. He is God. Second block that I want you to understand is you need to serve him, the Bible says, with faithfulness. One who is faithful is one who has decided to walk with full faith in all they do. Faithfulness. You know what's funny? Is everybody requires everybody else to be faithful, but then the same people who require people to be faithful are not faithful themselves. I want you to think about that. So you require something, you want something, but you don't do it yourself. So let's think about a relationship that only works one way, that you require faithfulness from one side, but then the other person isn't faithful. It doesn't work, does it? No, because God is faithful, he wants us to be faithful as well. Say amen. He wants you to be faithful. There's a story that just blew my mind out. Because faithfulness is a beautiful word. It's, it's something that shows the beauty of something that's consistent. You can count on it. And the Bible says here in this portion of Scripture, now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. That God says, I want you to work for me, and I want you to be faithful in the work. Whatever you put your hands to, I don't want you to complain about it. I want you to really want to do it. I'm going to share a little thing about pastor. If you don't know me, I'm going to give you a little thing about me, pro, con, or indifferent. I'm going to share this with you. 
When I ask for help and someone doesn't want to help me, but then they want to help me out of guilt, I don't want that person's help. Because that person is not helping because they want to. They're helping just because now they feel bad. So even when my kids would do that, I would ask them, hey, I need some help. Dad, I got this. Okay, okay. And then later on, they go, oh, you know, Lord, I, I, Dad, I, I should help you. No, 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 no. You, you, you didn't want to help. Now you're feeling guilty. And, and now you're going to say, well, what about Jesus and the two men? One said no, one come. Yeah, I get it. That's wonderful, the story. But this is how I usually work. If you don't want to help me, I'm not going to ask you twice. The reason is, is because I, just like God, God wants you to do it with a heart. I want people to do it with a heart because when your heart's in it, you're in it. And passion is all about heart. Listen to this story, true story that happened um, in the bombing of Beirut. One of the most tragic events during the Reagan presidency was the Sunday morning terrorist bombing of the Marine barracks in Beirut, in which hundreds of Americans were killed or wounded as they slept. Many today can still recall the terrible scenes as dazed survivors worked to dig out their trapped brothers beneath the rubble. A few days after the tragedy, I recalled coming across an extraordinary story. A Marine Corps commander, Paul Kelly, visited some of the wounded survivors then in Frankfurt, Germany Hospital. Among them was Corporal Jeffrey Lee Nashton. Severely wounded in the accident, Nashton had so many tubes running out of his body that witnesses said he looked more like a machine than he did a person. As Kelly neared him, Nashton struggled to move and racked with pain, motioned for a piece of paper and a pen. He wrote a brief note and passed it back to the commander. On the slip of paper were, but were only two words, Semper Fi. The Latin motto, motto for the Marines meaning forever faithful. With those two simple words, Nashon spoke for the millions of Americans who have sacrificed body, limb, and their lives for their country. Those who remain faithful, forever faithful. I think, I think the Marines really got it. And I think we as believers of God need to get it as well. To be forever faithful because he has been faithful to us. Forever faithful. No matter what you go through, you, 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 why, why? Because I love you. So I want to do something for you. You know, faithfulness is in two ways. One way, it is the acts and the word of God. You, you follow through faithfulness. God says, hey, go and be light. And you go out and be light. God tells you, go out and be salt. You go out and be salt. You're faithful at what God's word says. You're my ambassador, the Bible says. You're a spokesperson. Listen to what Psalms says. Psalms 40 says this. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak to you, to your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. I share the word. That's what God, that's Old Testament, New Testament. That we need to proclaim the goodness of God. And when we come into praise, it's a beautiful time to sing the praise to the one in which we love. It brings in the presence of God. But also when we're outside these walls, it's even more important that people get to see the light and the salt that's in us and that we're focusing on the God who's more than more can do all the things that we think or even ask. It. And even beyond that, that's your God. We have to get a, a, a real understanding of that. Polycarp, if you know who he is, he 
was an incredible person who lived from 70 to 155 A.D. He was a bishop of Smyrna, a very godly man. He hadn't been known by the Apostle John. Actually, Polycarp was probably discipled by the, the, uh, John, the disciple of John. When he urged the Roman proconsul to renounce Christ, Polycarp said, 86 years have I served him, and he never, never has failed me yet. Then how can I blaspheme my king and my savior? I have respect for you and your age, said the, off, the, the official, the officer. Simply say away with the atheists and be free. But Polycarp, 86 years old, was forever faithful. And he was, would not deny his Lord. So he pointed his finger at the crowd and said, away with the atheists. He was burned at the stake and gave joyful testimony to his faith in Jesus Christ. There have been many men and women who have been forever faithful for the sake of the cross and have been persecuted in so many terrible ways. And yet, and yet, their why, their why that they stood so steady was because they loved their God and wanted to have their plant, hands on the plow and wanted to serve their God. With, for, until God says, time's up. Their hands are going to be on the plow and do something for Jesus. I don't know about you, but that does something to me. Number three, we need to leave our false beliefs. You need to leave your false beliefs, and this is really important. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So many times people don't serve God because they're focusing on their past experiences. They're focused on their past pain. They're focusing on their past failures. So you need to realize, you need to stop with the false beliefs in your life. Stop feeding your own mind frame that you've been feeding yourself. The past afflicts many people. But I want you to understand something. That God is with you and you, if you have created a negative spirit, if you have created one who speaks negativity All the time, you have created your mind. There is an actual psychological word for this. This actually happens. You train the mind to automatically be negative in every situation. It is actually something you train your brain. It's an amazing study. It was amazing. Opened my eyes. I understood it. And what happens is when you look at everything from a negative perspective, you train your mind. It's like a person who sees it from a positive perspective. They train their mind. They see the good. Not just the bad. But you have to be careful that what's negatively around you is not affecting what God's trying to do through you. You need to be careful. That's why you need to feed on the word of God. And not only feed on it, but meditate on it. Someone say, feed and meditate. But if you're not reading your Bible every day, you're not spending time in the presence of God every day, how are you going to feed on the word of God and meditate on it if you're not spending time with him? How are you going to have good friends or people around you if you spend no time with them? How any relationship in your life is going to be really good if you spend no time with them? You need to spend time with people in order to grow together because you spend time together. It's the same thing, horizontally, vertical. You need to focus on spending time with God first. And God will show you 
The enemy of your soul wants you to hold on to your failures, hold on to your past, hold on to your mistakes. That's what the enemy of your soul wants you. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? This is how you answer those two questions. Oh, yes, I am, and I am a child of God. Got any questions? See, when the devil starts to say these things to your word, you need to answer with the word of God. Just like when Jesus was tempted by the devil, what did he use? He used the word of God against the devil every single time. And you know know what happened to the devil? You see, the word of God, you need to spend time in God's presence. And God, don't, don't allow your past to dictate your future. God's asking you to put your hands to the plow. God's asking you to serve. God's asking you to do something. God's asking you to get involved in the Great Commission. Don't just, just take a little here and a little there. God wants you on the plow doing something. Everybody needs to be praying and seeking the Lord. What God's putting on your heart so you can put your hands to the plow and you can make a difference in his church. Don't let the devil rattle your cage, stir up your emotions. Because he wants to prevent you from growing in your relationship. Get rid of your false gods. And people say, well, pastor, we don't have false gods. You know the Greek word for that? I was just driving in Melville. They have these giant statues. You're going over, going over to Delaware. You've got these giant statues. People at these statues and at these places. And they're, they're worshiping. And I almost brought this into my message. I'm just going to cover it lightly here. But the reality is, in the Ten Commandments, God says, make no images. Do not worship any images. Yet there's religions out there today that have images and they worship images. Things made with man. How foolish is that? Isaiah says it well. With one half of the wood, they cook their meal. The other half, they make a, a statue and they worship it. Does that make sense? But that's exactly what we do as humans because we misplace God. You make idols in your own life. They could be work and they can be hobbies and they can be laziness can be an idol. It, does, it can, doesn't make it. Whenever you put something over God, that's an idol. People have made work an idol. I want you to understand this in Philippians chapter 3. Look what it says here. Not that I have obtained, already obtained or the, all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize on which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's a big question. Who wants to win the prize? Who wants to win the prize? If I was giving away a brand new car and I told you to put your name in it or something that you really liked, how many of you would like to win the car? God has such a better prize, way better prize. And I don't know about you, but if you start living your life to win the prize that's given God your best, not your leftovers, that putting your hands to the plow and say, God, if you've given me the gifts to do this, I'm going to serve you with the gifts that I have. I'm going to serve you with a generosity. I'm going to serve you with a love because my why is because I love you. We love ourselves. We don't love God. We love God when it's convenient. We love God when it suits our Conditions. Paul the Apostle, gifted, 
anointed with all the revelation, and yet says, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not, but one thing I'm doing, I have to forget the past because, you know, I'm a murderer, brought havoc to the church. I was a New Testament terrorist. I have to forget the past, and i got to remember what's ahead of me. So this, now, and I think the reason why he fought so hard is because he was trying to make up for lost time. Because in his ignorance, he just didn't know. I press towards the goal to win the prize, which God has called me. God has called you to win. What's that movie out there? Win. Uh, what's that? You know, it says win somebody. Um, oh, well, you can tell, you know, a bunch of people can't fill in the gap here, can you? We'll leave it alone. Joshua chapter 24, look at verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in which land you are living. But as for me and my household, uh, we will serve the Lord. He declares it. He makes a, he makes a choice. He says, you know what? I don't know what you want to do. If you don't want to serve the Lord, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you what. For, for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. So some of you men have to be that and your family. You need to set the example of serving the Lord. You men are an example to serve the Lord. Your wife should not outshine you. You should be the man of the household and you shall serve the Lord. You declare it. One man should have said amen. <laughs> it's important. You see, we need to go forward. Number the fourth block that you need to get, that you need to get, is you make your decision on who you're going to serve. There's a power in choices. Joshua's act of the will is declaring, but for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is really important. Because you have to, you know, in serving God, that means you have to do something for God. That means you're involved in something. You have to pick something. You're going to pick someone. You're going to be involved in ministry. you got to, that's, I believe mature Christians are Christians who are involved in doing, not just knowing. And doing is not convenient. Well, I like to, but take up my time. I don't like getting up early or I like my Tuesdays all to myself, whatever it is. I've heard it all. People who are qualified, capable to do something, God's gifting, and yet, and yet, when it comes to the things of God, nope, my life is too busy to do God's work. I got all this other stuff that's more important. Let me tell you something. You, that's not my heart. God takes pastor, not pastor. I've been on both sides of the fence. I worked 36 hours one time straight and went to church right after, right after working 36 hours. Let me tell you something. I understand. I understand. But I understand this. What is our why? And if you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, your why is simple. Your why is simple. You got to be in it to win it. I'm going to try to, I want to beat you. <laughs> But I do, I'm not going to be easy with you as well. I want you to know, man, that we only have so much time on the faith of the earth to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Because when it's done, it's done, saints. We have to ask ourselves, what can we do for God for the time that we have? 
What can I put my hands to the plow to? How can I commit myself? Because my why is not because I have to. My why is because, Lord, I love you. Look what happened. Look what happened. Verse 23 and 24. Now then, said Joshua, throw away your foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord, our God, and obey him. Did you notice what happened? They, even while God was doing all these miraculous works with the people of Israel, they still started to take on the false gods. And Joshua had to say, wait a minute, people. You need to get rid of these false gods. You can't take in all this stuff. In the midst of God doing great works as he's given them the land, they're still taking in other gods for other countries. The challenge was set before the people of Israel. What will you do and how will you serve? The challenge is set before you as well. What will you do for God? What greater things will you do for God? How will you serve him and make a difference in a continuous way, a constant way? Or will you be a believer that says, well, I should have a desire, but I feel like it's a downer, not a desire. I know I should have a delight, but really I just feel like it's a duty. I know it should be done in love, but sometimes I just feel it's done in guilt. That's just the truth, isn't it? Let's just be honest with ourselves. We're all capable, all of us, you and I, are all capable of of taking those excuses in the process when things get tough. But until you are a God from the face of the earth, you have work to do. God has called you light and salt. It is time that you put your light on. It is time that you start to share your salt. It is time that you start to recognize that the God who rules and reigns all the universe walks with you. Someone give some shout in the praise of the Lord. Look what happened. Look what happened here. Before I show you. Look what happened here. I, I don't have to, I'm going to have to read this to you. I can't believe I forgot this one. 25 and 26 says this. On the day Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Shechem, he drew up for them the decrees and the laws. Check this out now. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up under an oak near the holy place of the Lord. You all received your notes. I want you to go to your notes right now. I want you to take them out. Everybody take out your notes. I want you to go to those questions. What Joshua did, he gave them a challenge. Gave them a challenge. By the way, the notes actually have fill-ins. So you should have got the fill-ins while you were in the service today. This que- these questions here are to drive you to change only if you want to change. How, how many people does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. But you just have to want to change it. Just one. So here's a couple questions because what Joshua did, what Joshua did, Joshua, after gave the command and gave the challenge, then they accepted it. He then got a rock. 
Well, we can't put up a rock today. You, can't put a, you can put a rock up in your house somewhere as a reminder of the covenant that you made before the Lord. But I want to push you and challenge you today to make a covenant before the Lord even today. And here's five questions, five things that I want you to pick. Just one, just one. Let's go there through them together. In what areas in my life can I serve the Lord greater? I want you to think what areas of your life. What area of your life? That's every single area of your life. How can I serve the Lord greater? Meaning that you're going to make it about God, not about you. When you're going to serve, your hands are out. Number two, how can I improve my outreach to others near me? Who is around me that I haven't shared Jesus with? Who is around me that I haven't cared for, shared, shared and cared for? Who are they? Who are the people in your heart? Number three, in what area of my life can I become more faithful to the Lord? What area of my life I could become more faithful to the Lord? These can be areas of prayer. These are disciplines here of your relationship with God. What are the names of the people that are in your, on your, in your heart that need help and you can do something to serve them? You can help them. People around you, you, you have a burden for them. You, you have a, a, you know, a heart for them. You just see what they're going through. Uh, there are people there that you can be God's servant for such a time as that. Number five, what attitude or thoughts hinder me in serving God? What attitudes or thoughts hinder me in serving God? Those watching online, I want you to pick them. Those, it's on the line. It's on the screen right now. I want you to look at these five and pick something this year. This year, pick something. Write it down. Put it in front of you. You today, right where you, I want you to pick and I want you to write something on that piece of paper. I want you to declare right now one area, one area that you can be a better servant of God. Just pick an area, an area in your life, a personal area, uh, an area of outreach, whatever that is. What one area? I'm not asking you to do all five. I'm asking you to do one rock, one rock. I'm asking you to pick one rock, one area. How can you become a better servant of God? There's two types of people. One person will not answer those questions. Second person will answer those questions. People who answer the questions are people who really want to grow and learn and change. People who don't answer the questions don't want to. Hunger is when we get a hunger on the inside and we eat. God placed hunger in us to tell us the body needs food. The Spirit of God will speak to us, and we want to get hungry, and therefore we do something about it. So I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God would just speak to your hearts because there is so much at your hands. God says, take your hands and put it on the plow. Father, I pray right now that you would speak to your people. I pray, Lord, you speak those online. I pray that each individual would get to know what you want to do in them, through them, and around them as they dedicate their heart to you. Father, help us to serve like you serve. You didn't come to be served. You came to serve. Now, Lord, let us follow in your example. And Father, I ask that you would do a work. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. 
If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.